1: Welcome to a brand new episode of Cross Cop. Anthony Sanfilippo is here. I'm Bob Wankel. And Anthony, Phillies go down to Miami after a dreadful series against the Pittsburgh Pirates last weekend. They take three out of four, and you should feel good about that. Miami always gives the Phillies a problem. Phillies always struggle down there, it feels like. They, They create a little distance. They had a winning road trip, and yet here we are on Friday morning before the Phil's get set to play the Kansas city Royals, the big bad Royals for three games in South Philadelphia this weekend. And I guess I kind of feel like, eh, you know, like I, I, I'm not down on them. I'm not really up on them. I I just sort of feel like, okay, like they went out their trade deadline acquisition throws eight innings. He was good. I just sort of feel like, yeah, I guess we'll see. Like they're, they're probably going to beat up the Royals. They'll probably beat up the nationals and, and they'll start to climb 13, 14 games over, and that's going to look and feel good. But, man, like, I guess, you know why I'm, I'm, like, a little bit measured here rather than being like, how about them fills? Like, they just, they can't hit, Anthony. They still can't hit. And I know that they, they scored eight runs or whatever it was on, on Wednesday night. Like, that was a bogus eight runs. Like, they left, like, six runs on the table Wednesday night. This team cannot hit. Are they ever going to hit? Please make me feel better.
0: Well, I think you're gonna I'll tell you why I think you're gonna see them hit a little bit. Um, and I don't I only say a little bit because I don't think it's gonna be anything consistent. But you know, I, I said I would reassess it after the trade deadline, and I you know went through and I started looking at every team that's like in competition and looking at the the calendars and looking at the schedules. The Philly schedules even easier than I thought. It was it's not just that it's a lot of home games. It's a lot of games against teams that are no good. And teams, when you looked at this schedule initially, and you saw games, a bunch of games in September against the Cardinals and the Mets, and you thought those are going to be tough games, and now you look at it and say, they should smoke these teams yeah. now, right? I mean, so, so you know, after the trade deadline, I think it changed the Philly schedule even more so for the better. So I think they're going to score because these teams no longer have pitching anymore. I mean, Cardinals never did, um, but the Mets have no pitching now right so you should score runs against the Mets like you should score runs this weekend against the Royals um and and you know the Nats you got a bunch against the Nats and and you know even the even the quote unquote good teams that are coming in like the Twins and the Angels I mean okay the Angels got a couple pitchers you know maybe they they can give you a little bit of trouble but I I don't see how this Phillies team is going to is going to continue to struggle to score runs in the re- that doesn't mean in October they won't struggle because I do think they will, um, but I do think that you're going to see an uptick in offense because of the opposition.
1: Okay, so there's there are obviously many things to talk about. We, we had the trade deadline. We had some pretty crazy games in Miami,
0: yeah. uh,
1: for sure. And and I I really sort of wish that we recorded after that game Wednesday night because I would have just liked to have gone through that the the roller coaster of it, how many different people can you blame? Who can you be angry at? Yeah, uh, but they go out and they get their their sleepy four two win on Thursday to, to win the series. So, I actually kind of want to stay right where where you just left it. Talk about I don't know if they're going to hit in October. I don't think they're going to hit in October. Two interesting questions for me, because maybe I'm setting myself up for um, not disappointment. Maybe I'm setting myself up to look like a total idiot because all along or, and and not just myself, but you have said the same. I think that this team's going to make the playoffs, even Mm -hmm. when they lose two out of three to the pirates, or they have that ridiculous game on Wednesday night. And you know, is Trey Turner broken? I still think that because of the schedule, because of the competition, uh, because of their pitching, like to their credit, like that's real. Although that bullpen, we'll get there in a moment, but I I still think, and I've always thought that they will make the playoffs and and maybe they fall flat on their face and they don't. But because I expect them to make the playoffs and because I'm not even really concerned about their ability to make the playoffs, I keep thinking to myself, if they don't hit, if they continue to do what they've done since, really the all-star break it's been pretty bad this entire second half so far is it possible like, like like let's pretend and let's project forward and they get into a playoff series and they're playing I don't know the Giants or whoever their matchup would be and we say yeah I know that they haven't hit for two and a half months they haven't really hit all season we know about the individuals that are slumping or not playing to career norms but for one weekend or one week can't these guys just rev it up? Like I almost feel like going into a playoff series, if the Phillies just get in and they continue to do what they've done offensively, I could still talk myself into being like for three for a best of three. Nick Castellanos shows up. Trey Turner becomes that guy. Bryce Harper, we know what he does in the postseason. We saw it last year. Like Kyle Schwarber, he's a, he's a big moment guy. Stott and Boom, like. I can still talk myself into this lineup being a threat even if they don't pick it up.
0: Well, they're definitely a threat. And again, it's more because like you said, it's more because of the pitching like that. That's why they're a threat right now. In my mind, in the national league, they have the best staff in the national league right now. Now, the Braves can bring some guys back if they get if they get healthy. Obviously, I think that Atlanta can be ahead of you. Um, same thing with the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers have a couple guys that if they're if healthy, they could they could potentially be ahead of you in, in pitching. Um, and Milwaukee's got really good pitching too. But I, they're again they're they're top heavy. Um, if you can get past one or two guys, or even have a good game against one of their better starters you're probably in good shape against them because their lineup is even worse. Um, so with that being said, I think, yeah, in a short series, this is a team that's built for the playoffs, right? It may not be as successful in the regular season as it would be in the playoffs because of how it's built. It's, it's designed to win short series against good teams. Right. That's what it's designed for. Um, and so, yes, just getting into the playoffs is a good thing for the Phillies. Y- yeah, they could be exactly what you just said in a postseason series. I, I think not only do I think that they're going to get in, I think that they're going to get in easy. I, I really do. Like I, was, I do,
1: too. I think that the Phillies are going to have at least four games of cushion between their spot and the, the fourth team that doesn't get in on the wild card. Like, I don't think that this is a final weekend, got to beat the Mets. You know, like, I, I think they're just in.
0: I do, too. I do, too. I just think that, and as a matter of fact, Bob, it, you know, beginning of the season, you asked me to give you a prediction on on number wins, and I said 91 was the number that I gave you for the Phillies for this year. Um, They might even pass that, not by a lot. By a game or two, I think they could get to 92, 93 like, These, these next because of, of the schedule: games,
1: three against Kansas City, four against Washington, all at home. Yeah, here. yeah, like, and then three more where, against Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, to me, this is where it sort of is is like uh, not a fork in the road. I'm not saying that they need to go six and one here. I'm not saying that they will go six and one or seven and zero. Oh. I, I don't think that they're consistent enough. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up going four and three these next seven games. Like nothing would surprise me. But my point is that when you go through this little stretch here, I think this is going to dictate whether or not they're a 90-plus win team or they, they kind of stay more in that mid-80s, like 86, 87, 88 range. Like if you can put together that streak right now where you go 6-1 and one and you move to 14 games over, like then I think that the trajectory changes and there's a little bit more of a ceiling to where they may ultimately get in terms of regular season win total.
0: So they, it's a ten game homestand um, between the, the Royals, the Nats, and the Twins. I think seven and three is yeah. is hap- is happening. I think eight and two is possible. Yeah, I mean, it really, I mean that's that's when you're looking at these matchups. Th- there's no reason whatsoever to lose a game to Kansas City. They, this is a, this is a sweep. If you lose one of these games, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about losing the one game to Kansas City and not the two wins. I mean, because that's how bad the Royals are. Yeah,
1: Kansas City's that bit. Although, (laughs) they just—they had a week, didn't they? Didn't they just rough up the Nets?
0: Yeah, they did. They did. (laughs)
1: So, you know, you're getting Kansas City red hot right now. Oh, yeah. When the A's had their week uh, back in what was that June? I guess yeah. The,
0: and the Phillies played the A's when they were yeah. playing well, but they yeah. but they yeah. swept them. They still swept them, right? So I mean, that's it's it's that kind of matchup. Like to me, I think it's got to be a sweep, and that's why I think eight and two is realistic, um, uh, in over these next ten games. But seven and three, if they go seven and three, you take it and you say that's a good spot to be because if you're if you go seven and three, now all of a sudden you're twelve games over five hundred, thirteen games over five hundred, right? I mean that you're in a good spot at that point you really are
1: well they're what right now are they nine over at the moment Is yeah 59 and 59 50? and 50 yeah, yeah you put together an eight and two run here you're you're 15 games over 500 at that point yeah I mean, that's, yeah that's a place that philly's teams just have not been like you know in, in, in a mid-august long, long yeah. Time. yeah yeah so um all right look i have one other question before we sort of dive into the week that was i guess and mm-hmm. Looking at the wild card, do you think it matters? It didn't matter last year, but like, do you think it matters this season that the Phillies play that first series at home? Like, Does the number four seed matter here, or are you more dialed into a matchup? Like, hey, I'd rather play this team on the road or is it, yeah, I think the preference here is to get get yourself at Citizens Bank Park. Well, you've,
0: of course. I mean, obviously, you'll take anything. You'll get into the playoffs. You'll, you'll be happy with it. You're in. And All you have right. a chance. I mean, we saw it last year. They didn't have to start at home, and they made the run to the World Series. So it's it's certainly doable. But would you prefer to play this three-game series at Citizens Bank Ballpark? Yes. For no other reason, Bob, than, than we saw what the atmosphere is like. And we heard other teams really were a little bit over, overwhelmed by, you know, what that that atmosphere is like. And especially when you're talking about the teams that they're likely to match up with. These are teams that don't have a lot of playoff experience, that haven't really, you know, been in that kind of environment before with that much on the line. Like, that is a, a huge advantage, especially in a three-game series, right, where you only have one mulligan at, at most. Um, so I I look at that and say yes, you want to be the number four seed. Now, who would they match up with? I mean, you look at these teams. I've been going through the schedules.
1: I, I you said that we talked about this on Monday. I'm I'm in full agreement. I did a radio I, hit with Mike Gill, uh, ESPN 97.3, last yeah. week, and he said, "Who are your three wild card teams?" And I repeated the three that you said the other day.
0: Yeah, I mean, I. The only thing that could, could go, go against my notion of the Cubs and Padres being the other wildcard teams is if the Cubs get so hot that they pass Milwaukee and yeah. win the division. That's the only. But I think the Cubs are in the play. I think the Cubs are gonna make the playoffs. They and, and,
1: bludgeoned that Cincinnati team this week. Yeah, and like for me, what was really impressive is they, they put up the crazy run totals the first two nights, and then you think like, all right, like you know the yeah. Reds are pretty good. They'll come back there. Nah, like knockout blow. Yeah, I mean, they, they sent a message this week.
0: Yeah, the Cubs. The Cubs. To me, the Cubs are the are the team. The Phillies are going to play. That's who I think it's going to be. I think it's gonna be Cubs Phillies in the in the first round.
1: Stroman um, is a little bit of a mess, and like I know he just went on the IL. He's got some yeah. lower body issues, but I'll tell you what, like Steel's legit. Steel's legit. Like, and he's legit to the point where, like, I, I'm a big uh, like you like the no runs in the first inning bet. Like, yeah, that's good. That's uh, a good one. The, the quick hitter, instant gratification or or instant disaster. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's like money. And like I just, I've over the year I've like gotten a chance to watch him pitch a lot, and I really like him. Uh, yeah, he concerns me a little bit, you know. And even like a guy like Hendricks, like it, that team is like okay, you know. Yeah,
0: no, they are. They're not. That's yeah. not an easy. It's not an easy matchup. You, you so go if you,
1: back to that run differential, and you're like, holy smokes.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the That's a, That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're gonna play that team, do you want to play them in a ballpark like Wrigley, or do you want to play them here? You want to play them here, right? Um, so I, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I think the Padres have a little bit tougher road. their Their schedule is not easy. The Padres the next. This is their. Just just so you know that this is what I have it up because I knew we were going to talk about this.
1: Dodgers this weekend.
0: Dodgers for four. It's a four game series. It carries over into Monday. Um, then it's a quick a quick hitter uh, out to Seattle to play two against the Mariners. Then they go to Arizona for three. Then they come home and play Baltimore for three. Arizona for four, Miami for three, before they go to Milwaukee for three. Yeah, that's, so tough. Gonna, that's a tough run, right? I mean, so the Padres aren't an automatic Miami stretch, and if, it gets harder even after that. Um, you know, they get a quick break with St. Louis, but then it goes Giants, Phillies, Astros, Dodgers again.
1: Are, so it's are a, you it's a tough schedule for them. Are you surprised? And I know that you said wait till August with these guys. Like we've seen Miami just take a huge step back, they don't hit it all. Um, some of the starting pitching, they, you know, the innings restrictions, certain guys are taking a little bit of a step back. Their bullpen since the All-Star break has been a disaster. Uh, you know, I, I kind of watch Miami play, and, like, they have some interesting bats at the top of that order. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they do have some some guys, and we saw it this week, that can do some damage, and you go, okay. Like, I think Miami isn't going to totally fall off the cliff, but, like, do they come up short? Yeah. I yeah, think that, probably. I think-
0: I think they're the best of the teams that are just going to miss. Right. Um, Arizona's got a better lineup, but their pitching isn't great. And they've taken um, a
1: massive step backwards. I, I like Arizona. I know we talked about this earlier, and you would express concerns about the lack of pitching depth, and they might not hold up. Um, I'm surprised it's happened as quickly as it has with them. I, I thought that they would have a little bit more, but it kind of goes to one team that, because I feel like, for the most part, you've really sort of had this right. And, and this isn't the first time. Like, I feel like when you look at the league as a whole, you're usually pretty good at the diagnostics of what's real, what's not. You've, you've been kind of banging the drum against the Giants. And I just look at this and say, like, man, they don't hit. This is a lineup that I, uh, I am not scared of in any capacity. The, the names in terms of the pitching staff don't like overwhelm you or, or totally spook you either but they keep winning and they keep winning close games. And I'm not trying to be a smart ass or be funny, but like at some point do you say like, Hey, Gabe Kapler and his staff, like pretty nice job keeping this team in it. And they like, look like they have some staying power. Like, I'm not saying that they're going to, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs or not, but like they're, they're pretty resourceful team. Like they make the most of what they have, or at least they have to this point.
0: Yeah, they have. And, and they are a little bit of a surprise in that in that regard. Uh, I, I still I think that they're another team that, like the Marlins, will kind of hang around, but I just don't think that they're I don't think that they have enough there. Look, they had an opportunity, I think, at the deadline to add to that team and make it a playoff team. and they added nothing. what do they got AJ Pollock, who's hitting like one seventy or whatever. That's all they added to that team. And then their GM Farhan Zahidi comes out and says, "Well, you know, look at the trade deadline. All the people we're contending with, nobody got better. Like, really? Like, you honestly feel that way? That like the Brewers didn't? The Brewers did some good stuff, right? They made some nice moves. Um, I I think the Phillies uh, adding Lorenzen was a big addition. Um, I think the Padres are 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 a little bit better right now. Um, You know, the Cubs decided to, to push in as opposed to not." You know, government. So these teams all look to me like better teams, and the Giants didn't do anything. Even the Marlins, for what it was worth, I mean, the the players they added were
1: trying. Look, they added power,
0: right? And Bell and
1: Bell and Berger, right? I I do not want to see Bell again. Like, I know. cannot escape him. He's not even that good. But no, like, against the Phillies, no. man. Like he always finds a way to be a problem. So yeah, yeah. Murder I mean, Turner so, you know, has a little bit of pop, and Robertson. I mean, I know he was a it. disaster this week, but like, yeah. nice veteran presence in the back of a, a leaky bullpen. And,
0: and, yeah, all the teams that they're contending with all did stuff to improve, yeah. except for them. And so, like, th- like I think that that's going to hurt them. I think that that's. I think that they they want to make pretend like nobody got better, but I think everybody else around them did.
1: I, th- I think that that's fair. Well, so I, I think nice natural transition then to what happened this week with the trade deadline. And you said it. I mean, a lot of teams kind of made these these incremental moves, these marginal moves, and they've, they've upgraded themselves. Um, but there wasn't, the, the, the massive blockbuster and it's weird. Like even the, the Verlander and Surzer trades like I just was like, yeah, whatever, who cares? Like, and maybe it's because they're in the, the AL central or I'm sorry, uh, in the West or wherever the hell they went, Texas and Houston. Right.
0: Yeah, like, yeah.
1: Um, like maybe like it's because I don't care about that race. Maybe it's because like, I don't think that either of them are particularly that good anymore. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess that was a massive deal, but it just didn't really register with me. I think with the Phillies, like you look in at what they did and, and Lorenzen was an instant difference maker for them. And I think really where you're going to see that show up is in October that, yeah, month. you know, I don't know that you feel the impact of it so much right now, but I think it gives them so much more versatility and how they can deploy the staff. Once you get to a playoff series. And I think we need to talk about the ramifications of that trade, but you know, in a perfect world, I would have liked to have seen a, an impact bat here. We've talked about it for months now, like the Phillies did not add that bat. And, you know, I think it kind of crawls back to the the point that well, what was the impact bat they were, they were going to add is Adam Duvall really going to be a difference maker here um, is a guy like Tommy Pham who, for what it's worth, by the way, like I've had multiple people tell me that he's not an awesome clubhouse guy. Like right. I'm not going to come on here and, and, you know, emphatically say that he's a bad dude because I don't know him. So it's not for me to, to really make that point. But I I actually had uh, someone, a former player that that played with him, reach out to me and go like, he's, he's not a a dude that you want in your clubhouse. And like for as much as like Nick Castellanos talks about, like nobody cares more about one another and all that stuff. Like just from this one player's viewpoint that that was not a fit. So if, if you're not shopping the Mark of the world, then like what, what was the move here to make and so for that reason like i'm not not that i need to give the phillies a pass but i kind of go okay you know yeah
0: no i I agree with you and 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 you know i I don't know if you read it but last week before the deadline my my suggestion was let's not go for the big bat if you're going to add to this team add outfield defense um of course i was pushing hard for a guy that that uh, you know, was not traded <laughs> in, in uh, Lane Thomas. Yeah. Um, that's who I thought would be a, the nicest addition because it was a balance between improved left field defense. Not that he's a superstar out there, but he's a, you know solid defensive outfielder and a top of the order kind of guy who you know, can get on base for you. Right? Um, you Wonder
1: know what the ask was for him. You know, yeah, it well, was probably
0: it was probably yeah. too much. Yeah, and that was probably the, and that's why Dombrowski said he wasn't going to you know give up on on his top prospects for something. That you know, for for a player like that, and, and that's fine. um But in a sense, what they did here is they did exactly what I asked, just from internal. And, and they basically are looking at it, and I think we're you're seeing it almost all the time now. Marsh is still going to play some games in center, but for the most part, he's now the left fielder, and they're going to have uh, Rojas, and you're going to have Pache coming back in a couple weeks. These guys are going to play center field and he's actually going to play in the outfield as the right-handed options. And yes, they're not power guys. They're not big-time on-base guys, although Rojas has been impressive so far in, in his limited role. Um, and Pache, when he wasn't when he was hurt, he was hitting well as well against lefties. But that's not why you're, you're bringing them. That's not why you're using them. You're using them because they save you runs in the outfield. And I, I was asked, I went on uh, – crossing broadcast yesterday and kyle pagan asked me said do you have a problem with you know rojas being very lackadaisical like with the way he runs after a ball and i said no not at all because
1: andrew jones the way that he used to run after a ball (laughs) it's it's
0: it's he's got such a good read that it looks like he's making it you know he's he's making it easy But that's just that's just the talent that he has. Like, I have zero problem with that. It's not like he's out there being flamboyant, catching the ball behind his back or breadbasketing it or anything like that. He just glides and it's like a gazelle, man. And you know, like that is going to make a huge difference to me because, like we said, the pitching is really, really good. That if you could provide defense behind that pitching and maybe save a running game. This this makes up for what you're lacking on offense. Right. And then if these guys ever turn around and start hitting, holy hell, Bob, do we have a whole different conversation about this team?
1: I I don't want to make a a, this is a point that's been made a lot this week. And I think that we actually even said it on Monday before then I heard it another hundred thousand times. But there's there is this idea that you have. Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, JT Romuto, Trey Turner. These are names. These are guys that have a track record. They've done it. And you can bring in a an Adam Duvall. You can bring in your platoon. I can hit lefties, and I have an 880 OPS, and I'll add a little pop from the right side. And you can bring in that guy, but like, if if Trey Turner doesn't hit, if JT Romuto doesn't get a little bit better, Bryce Harper doesn't, like it won't matter. Like you cannot mask that, and so let me put a new spin on this. Let me let me ask you a a, a different question here, or a series of questions. Is JT Realmuto yeah. the Phillies catcher in twenty twenty four?
0: Great question. I I still say yes. I don't yeah. think that they.
1: I'm, i don't actually, think that, yeah we should probably explore this i thought Yeah, well, no I, I thought this well, was a simple one
0: no I, I thought i didn't know why you were asking you I kind know, of surprised I mean, me I'm with not the question somewhere
1: no, with it i am but
0: yeah like, no okay. I, yeah but, but yes i mean he's yes he's going to be the guy in, okay. in 2024 yeah
1: is is trey turner going to be the shortstop yes okay
0: is if you would have started shortstop? if you would have started that one i would have i would have been <laughs> I've been following this path a little bit easier, but go ahead.
1: Is is Bryson Stock going to be the second baseman? Yes. Sure. Uh, is Bryce Harper going to be the first baseman?
0: That's a tough one. That's, that I'm not 100% sure on. But, I mean, he's, he's going to be something. He might be the left fielder next okay. year.
1: Okay. Is Nick Castellanos uh, in left field then?
0: No, no, no. I think Harper might go to left.
1: Oh uh, Harper gets hey. left, Castellanos it, stays in right. Just keep
0: Castiano's and right, yeah.
1: Forber your DH and then Marsh is running around out there with the the paches and Rojas's of the world or you know, in Yes,
0: yeah, I mean something like that. I mean, yeah, I mean there's there's always a chance that somebody gets moved somewhere, right? Yeah, but I,
1: one, I, one other question then. What about Alec Bohm? What do you do with him right now? Because is he a league average player or is he an exciting two hole option for this team? Like what what is <laughs> Alec Bohm, right?
0: You know, I, well, it's it's interesting because so many people are are, are getting excited about Boehm the way he's been hitting and, and let's it's, I'm not going to knock the guy he's hitting 290 right I mean is is 293 now uh, he's got his arm base up almost to 350 he's almost 800 OPS uh, the only thing that Alec Bohm doesn't do is provide you with pop and that's that's a little bit disappointing because you kind of thought that that would be part of his game as he you know got into this fourth year uh in the majors that you thought the the, the power would come but he's shown that he can be a consistent hitter he's shown that he can find his way on base he's got a good approach to the plate he's very good with runners in scoring position um and i don't think that that's a that's a, i think that he uses the whole field right bob so i think that that is what makes him a valuable that but i get but I, again i could see that being something you say well maybe we can you, you can we can turn that into something else well, i get. i get that idea that's ideology. kind
1: of where i'm ultimately going with this whole thing like do the phillies have money to spend this winter sure uh are there a ton of obvious free agents that i would circle and say man i hope the phillies go out and get this player not really no And when I look at each of these guys on an individual basis, I say, well, yeah, I guess it's reasonable to expect that they would be back next year. But here's my point. This is not going to be the lineup next year. Like, the Phillies know that this lineup's not good enough, right? And they weren't able to address it in a meaningful way in the short term. But they're going to be forced to address it, I think, in a meaningful way beyond this season. And so I wonder... If there is at least part of the consideration and listen, if the, the deal wasn't there to be had the player, the right player wasn't there to be had for a reasonable price, you're not going to make the deal anyway. But to me, I'd rather save my, my prospect load and keep my flexibility with what I have. And say, let's look at what happens this offseason and who becomes available and what conversations might we be able to have this offseason because the Phillies aren't going to be able to just simply run it back with this group. Like we can talk about Bryce regaining his power, another year removed from the surgery. We can talk about Trey Turner figuring it out. that uh, I actually was going to be much more rude <laughs> now I just said that. Um, but figuring it out. Like there's natural upgrades that, that can be made here internally, but I I think that they're going to have to do something ultimately to reconstruct this roster. And it almost feels like, Hey, the opportunity wasn't here to do it right now, but this winter, you, you bet we're going to look at how to do it and they're going to have. to.
0: Yeah. Work. Yeah, they are. I think they are. And I, I I'll tell you the one that the one name that we didn't mention that I think is is going to be the most valuable asset to them from, a, from an, an already major league player um, in, in on the roster is Brandon Marsh. And I think if Marsh continues to have the season that he's having, finishes with an OPS over 800, right, knowing that you have good outfield depth in the minor league system and one guy who's already playing for you at the major league level, that could be a position that you move a play, move a player like Marsh to get you something else.
1: That'd be a tough pill for Phillies fans to swallow. I feel like he's become. I, I agree. One of the most popular players on this team.
0: Yeah, because of the personality. But in a lot of ways, it's 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 a lot like when remember where Jason Worth was when he became a. Yeah. Like one of the best players on, you know, better players on the team. And then all of a sudden he was, they wouldn't sign him. And because he went to Washington with that big money contract, right? Um, I, I, I'm not saying Brandon Marsh is Jason Worth, but he's having that breakout year. And it's like, okay, this is a spot that we have a lot of talent behind him. Can we upgrade somewhere else by moving Brandon? I just Marsh. Don't
1: know how much more you can push your chips in, like on this this group of aging guys. That like I almost like want a Brandon Marsh. I, I hear you. It's like a breath of fresh air to like, like if the Phillies could, if you got Dave Dombrowski into a room and said, "Hey, hey, Dave, this off season you could free yourself of either Kyle Schwarber or Nick Castellanos. Would you like to do that?" He would do it. Like.
0: I agree uh, but uh, I I do think that they both have value to this team over the next couple of years. They do. That... I'm not saying that they
1: don't have value, but I'm just saying yeah. hey, if you could if you could remove the 20 plus million from the books given the the holes in the swings of both guys, like they are a little bit redundant in that way now. Like and I, I there's i think that there's leadership qualities and intangibles that each of them bring that makes this thing work to a degree like i'm not trying to uh downplay that but i this roster feels and i said this to you a few weeks ago and it's it's something i i think uh is going to become a solidified take of mine which is like i respect this group i respect the the um the willingness to keep plugging away when things aren't going well, they don't quit. Like that's, that's great. They, they feel like a tired group to me though. Like they feel old when I watch them play. Like, I feel like the energy is inconsistent because it's this, they kind of just like
0: they're predictable.
1: Like it just doesn't have a lot of zip sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, look, let's be honest, Bob, the reason that this lineup is having the problems that it's having is because of Trey Turner. Like if Turner is Turner,
1: arrived thirty-one minutes in. Here we are. I mean, I mean, we're being
0: fair. I mean, got to be, got to be, got to be fair to the other guys. If Turner is Turner at the top of this lineup, what, where, where is everyone else? Right. At this point, like, you know, Schwarber, even though he's walking a ton, by the way. I, had to, I wanted to just share this this stat while we're while we're all on it. Um in his last 13 games, Kyle Schwarber is batting 103. 103. But his bat, but his on-base percentage is 400. That's amazing. <laughs> he's That's walked amazing. 20 times in 60 plate appearances. That's unbelievable. Yeah, but his in in as-
1: 7 games, he's 3 for 21. He's hitting 143, <laughs> but his on-base percentage is 471.
0: It's wild. I don't know that
1: you'll ever see a player like this again.
0: No, it's it's craziness. It's absolute craziness. But the thing it is so he's got a great eye, right? And now you see why they want to want him to bat leadoff. Um I've kind of come around to that a little bit, just because you don't have anyone else to kind of fit that bill at this point. Um so so I'm I'm okay with it, but he had a he had a bat in front of Turner for much of the season. So he was just he would he was no he knew he had to try and get on base and so pitches that he's now spitting on with with other guys batting behind him that are close he was swinging at before right so you know i'm not going to try and t- sit here and tell you that Kyle Schwarber batting 103 in the last 13 games is a good thing but the fact that he's walked 20 times in his last 60 plate appearances is a direct correlation to the fact that he's now got a bat behind him that teams don't think is an automatic out.
1: So let's, let's talk about Trey Turner again. Um, I tweeted out on Wednesday night that there I'm just running out of things to say about this. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what else to say. And then 20 minutes later, a ground ball that Josh Bell hits goes through his, you know, back end, uh, you know, in the ball game, basically. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. I really don't. I, I, I don't know if he's gonna recover. I, I one thing I'm kinda of getting tired of hearing people say though is that, well, you know, next year he's obviously gonna he's gonna be much better. Like he'll he'll definitely come back from this. Like that's something that people say to it's like the it's a it's a reaction to the WIP hot take, which is we have to overreact to everything. Should we get out of the contract this moment? But now I think we go we see a lot of people go to the opposite extreme like well he's he's still such a great player and he certainly will bounce back. We don't know that. We have no idea if he will bounce back. There's you do not know that.
0: No, you don't know. I I guess the only way the only thing that I'll say since I'm more of that mindset that um I you know Trey Turner is not going to be a 235 hitter low low on base for 11 years for the Phillies. Like I don't think that's going to be the case. Um and the only reason I say that, Bob, is, is that I, I don't have any frame of reference in the sport of baseball where a player was as good as he was in his career at this age, just suddenly Before
1: not that being long. that yeah. good. Yeah.
0: And not recovering. Like, guys have had bad, bad seasons. Like, you can go back through history and find guys who are star players who just had a shitty year. And, and they just chalk it up to a shitty year. But but their track record usually gets them back to where they are after that shitty year, right? Um, assuming they're not, you know, at the end of their career, at the end of the line. If, they're, if you're 29, 30 years old, yeah, you know, you usually bounce back. So, so with that in mind, not being able to really pinpoint another player who's had this kind of precipitous drop-off at that age and never recovering from it. Um, I, I, without that kind of, so I, so to me, the odds are highly in favor of Trey Turner being better next year and beyond. But I do agree that in the, in the framework of an actual season, it's, it's sometimes just isn't going to happen. Like this is, this is who he is for 2023 and it sucks. It's terrible. It's not the, the, it's not at all good for the Phillies. But if you can drag him through and get through it, I think by 2024, you have a different player.
1: I feel for him on a, on a human level, because as it's been written and said, he cares and he faces the music and he takes accountability and like, that's all fine and well. And he's done that throughout the year, but it's just, it's not translating. It's not yielding any results and you, you hope for him and you hope for the Phillies and their fans that it eventually turns. But I guess like while I applaud and, and I know a lot of people have said like, we need to give him a standing ovation on Friday night. Like, first of all, that kind of feels fake and phony to me. Like the Alec Bohm thing was cool because it sort of happened naturally. Right. right. Like it wasn't an organized effort. It, it just sort of, it, to me, I, I feel like I, I don't really want to hear anymore that he, that he cares. And that like, he's taken extra hacks in the batting cage after his O for five. Like, I don't, I don't care, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's what you should be doing. You should, you should care. You should, you should feel embarrassed by what's happening. You, you should feel like you're letting people down because you are. And like credit to Nick Castellanos. I read, I read his comments to Matt Gelb and and like, that's great that Nick is, is got his back publicly and that they all love Trey and they're, a band of brothers. It's awesome. But like this is a results oriented business. And I, I actually think to to what you wrote is is the correct call here. Trey, go home for a week, man. Like I, yeah. I think that that's where we're at. I, I don't need to see Trey Turner in the in in the cage taking sixty hacks after the game. And one other thing on that, if you're in a bad space, like and and major League baseball is not high school baseball that's, that's fine. It's not youth baseball. It's not developmental baseball, but if, if I have a guy in the cage, it's struggling. And this is something that I, I've, you know, a lot of coaches feel this way. If I have a guy that's really going through it and you know, he has a mechanical issue or the confidence isn't there. And he wants to just swing and swing and swing. Hey, give me T, give me soft toss, you know, get me in the cage. Let me hit on the field. Let me hit in the tunnel so I don't have to worry about where the ball's going necessarily. Let me really focus on this one thing. A lot of times you just compound your your mechanical issue. You continue, like those extra swings lead you to press even harder. Like there is not a correlation between I took more swings and I figured this out. And, And every player is different. Every player gets out of slumps in a different way. But I, there is nothing about his body language, the way that he's speaking right now, what he's electing to do, that signals to me that, that he's about to figure this out. Now, he might this weekend against a dreadful Royals pitching staff. Maybe he does. And, and maybe that gets him going. And I hope it does. But I, I think it, a full shutdown here where you just say, Trey, we're not playing you until next weekend. I I think that that's your last resort and he may not want to do it, but I, I think that that they are very much nearing the point where that's going to be their only option. If, if, if he cannot get it going here in the next few days,
0: look, it, I think it's interesting that you say that because, you know, Dombrowski goes on WIP yesterday morning. And when he was asked about Turner and, and, uh, Joe camera said to him he says well you know wh- what can you do with a guy when he's you know dealing this and and you know, you know the browse given kind of the cliche answers but then he did say um you know we got him a day maybe the next next day you know, days.' Or a couple of days. I, he says in that story i think it was you know he said yesterday to the writers that are down in miami um you know, yeah, it's something that we, you yeah, know, we'll, 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 you know, if we have to give them a couple days, we'll, you know, that might be something that's on the plate. I, they have to. Now they might not do it today. I, I think today would be. I think this weekend would be ideal because you could beat Royals, right? It doesn't matter. Like, like, I, like I said on the cross broadcast yesterday, like we could go out there and play Phillies, and and they could still have a chance to beat the Royals. So, right. so like this is this is a series to me. Miami series um, and the potential for the booing in the in and the crowd, and everything. Because I, like, I think well, the fan
1: base is going to is going to cheer him tonight. I, I don't think that they're necessarily going to stand up in forty three thousand and swing rally towels. But I I I do not think that he's going to get that boot off the field treatment.
0: No, but I'll tell you what I think it's going to be. This is what I wrote. I don't think it's gonna be as soon as he's announced to come up to bat. But I think every non hit is gonna be booed. Yeah. That's what I think he's gonna get. I think he comes up to bat whenever with second inning, third inning, whenever it is, wherever he's at in the line, he's still batting eight, whatever. And then he hits, you know, he either strikes out or hits that lazy fly by right field or whatever, he's gonna get booed. And that's just what's gonna happen because the fans are are not happy are you yes there are people who want to support him and you might get some cheers but i don't think so i think you i think what you do is you let the team win these games this weekend right plow through now all of a sudden he comes back monday against washington um and the phillies are riding you know a, a four game winning streak having won six and seven or whatever the case might be and there's some good vibes about the team again and i think that the booing kind of falls off. It's like it, it, it goes away. It's not a thing anymore. I I just think that this would be the smart time to do If you're going to do it, this would be the smart time to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see on that. Um, it's probably the storyline of the weekend going in right now. Um, and it's, it is going to reach a point where Let's just say it doesn't get better. And I I guess I talked about this with the lineup in general, like if they're not hitting, but you get to October and you just kind of hope maybe for a series for three weeks, they can figure it out. Uh, What about Trey Turner? Is there any scenario which he's healthy and you say, okay, it's not about trying to reset you anymore. It's not about trying to get your head right, but it's just about, we have to play the best guys. And is there some world where, Edmundo Sosa, which I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I want to at least explore this ahead of time. If We get to the end of September and he just stays on this, this path where he's totally lost. Do you start to like think about maybe removing him from the lineup, not to clear his head, but just based on performance, I would say no. And I would pray to God that if he's still there in October, that you play him in the postseason and hope that, Hey, Trey, you were never going to get your 70 points back on your batting average with one swing. You were never going to lift your OPS by 150 points. You were never going to earn that contract with one swing in the regular season, but now you can, like you yeah. can undo this whole thing now with one swing. Like you can no, I get mean, it all back now.
0: Just look at like a guy like Reese Hoskins last year, right? right. At, at how, you know, he was the the bane of the fans existence for this franchise, and then he has the the you know the bat spike home run against atlanta and now he's a he's a you know philly hero forever and ever he's right. beloved it, and it all gene segura who was just a guy you know gets that crazy ass hit against the cardinals and then has like a really awesome game against the braves back at citizens bank park and now people want the phillies to bring him back Despite the fact that he has a 535 OPS over you know four months of a season and doesn't have a job anywhere, right? I mean, like like it's that kind of thing. Were
1: you able you to watch can... the game yesterday? Yeah. When Sosa got hurt, I thought to myself, "Here, Here we, we go." go. Yeah.
0: Here we go, Segura. Not when
1: he got hurt, but when he got hit, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I know, you, I know what you meant. And I, I, meant. I thought yeah. to
1: myself, oh my god, this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah,
0: but um, but I mean, but that's the thing. Like you can undo an entire bad season. I mean, even Castellanos last year, he makes those sliding catches in the in the playoffs in in right field. You know, the saves games, and that become that make that I think that catapults him into the, the the good start to this year and yeah, you know then being being the more outgoing guy and everybody now likes Nick and Lick and Liam and with his son and all that cool stuff that's going on it's awesome and i think that that all you can have plays in the playoffs that catapult you forward no doubt about it
1: Aaron Noah But, I, tonight. Would say,
0: <laughs> but I, I want to say one more thing on oh, that I, go I, ahead. just just cuz you had brought up Sosa I, that said if Turner is still Trey Turner in the playoffs and is not doing anything, he's giving you nothing, I would still play him. But I wouldn't be so um, so against the idea of, hey, seventh inning, put Sosa out there at shortstop.
1: I'm all for, uh, like, to, to kind of – I think I'm with you on this. I'm all for just letting it ride, taking the potential of a turnaround at the plate. But if he cannot – the one caveat here is if he cannot catch a ground ball on a consistent basis, like if what we saw in Miami this week is something that continues to happen, then I might reassess the way I feel about this. Like at minimum, I need you to make the plays that a major league shortstop should make. I don't need you to be a Gold glover. I don't necessarily need you to hit 340. But I I need to know that you're not going to sink me because what's happening at the plate is now transferring to what's happening in the field. Like you have to show me like some – what's the word I'm looking for here? Not mental stability, but like the, the competence to know that like it, I don't have to worry about a meltdown. Right. And that's where we got to make sure that, that this thing ends, you know, Mm -hmm. so uh, what I was saying here is that you have Aaron Nola this weekend getting the ball. Um, You know, he was obviously terrible last weekend and the same old story, you know, he was, he was cruising along a little bit. He didn't get a lot of defensive help. He didn't help himself. He's the other guy in this whole thing because I want to tie this into what happened at the trade deadline. Like I don't see any scenario in which the Phillies make a playoff series and Aaron Nola is not taking the ball in game two, right? Like I don't think that's going to change regardless. Like if he goes out and just continues to have the season that he's had to this point, I still think he's a game two starter, but I I want to, break this into two things here one are you do you have any new opinion or new assessment of Aaron Nola we know historically you're you're not I don't want to say defender like you're not an apologist but you look at his body of work and I think that you still skew to the positive on what Aaron Nola is or can be again Uh, yeah and then the second part of that is you bring in Michael Lorenzen, and now you have the six starters. We know they're probably going to roll through the month of August with the six-man rotation, unless somebody gets hurt. What are they going to do with this rotation come October because of this trade? So I want to kind of tackle both of these topics. Yeah,
0: and I think it's it's a good question, Bob. And 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 here's what you know. Sometimes you don't you have to kind of look deeper into it. And I I know I tend to be the guy who always references the schedule, but I I think that. I don't think I know that when baseball teams make certain decisions, they are looking ahead at the schedule. In a lot of in a lot of instances and in piecing these things together. So by making this trade for Lorenzen and having him pitch yesterday and giving Noel the extra days rest. Yes, we've heard all this stuff about Noel with five days rest. He's so much better than he is with anything else. But that would be I think any pitcher would kind of be that way, right? I mean, look at Otani. Otani pitches on five day five days rests all the time. He right. never pitches with less than five days rest. So this is a thing um that that benefits pitchers, of course. But this is what if you if you stick with the six-man rotation through August. Obviously, September could change things. But through August, Aaron Nola's next starts are Kansas City, Washington twice, St. Louis. Are you trying to get Aaron Nola right? Yeah. Is that what the plan is, right? You're trying to get Aaron Nola right? Um, Three of them, of course, at home. Uh, Only the one road start would be at Washington. I think that that's I think that that's what they're trying to do. I agree with you. He's still going to be the the guy in the top of the rotation. He's going to be one or two in the playoffs, depending on how the end of the season goes and who you need for what starts at the end of the year. Um, he's still going to be there. But I do think that this is a let's try and get this this guy back to where we need him to be. Right and make him pitch against some bad teams in the right. month of August. They got him away from Miami. They got him away from Toronto. They got him away from the Giants. Um,
1: that being said, he also just pitched against the Pirates. And- <laughs> <laughs> yes. It did have a – that was a – yes. i was trying a to be a dick, game. just making a point.
0: No, but I'm saying, I mean, look, and, and, and the thing – look, the, the Pirates game, he was not good, but it was exacerbated by bad defense behind him too, let's be honest, right? I mean, he probably is responsible for four of the seven runs that he gave up. And that's not good enough because he only pitched four and, four and two-thirds innings. So four runs in four and two-thirds innings is bad. It's, a not, it's not a good pitching performance. But it also wasn't seven runs on Aaron Nola. It was four on Aaron Nola. But ne- nevertheless, uh, yeah, he's got to get right. And the second part of your question, um, what does this do for the, the postseason or going towards October? I'm not convinced that even though they're saying, well, you know, we can bounce Michael Lorenzen into the bullpen, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm not convinced that that's happening. I really am not. If Lorenzen pitches like, I mean, look, you saw what he did yesterday, right? And he's been pitching really well for the Tigers leading up to this. Yeah. And against some good teams too. I mean, he, I think he shut. was against the Rays. He gave up zero runs. And I'm mean, not the Rays aren't the, the best hit, hitting team in baseball, but they're still pretty good. I, I don't know, man. Like, I think he might end up in the rotation and a guy like Ranger Suarez or a guy like Taiwan Walker and obviously, you know, Sanchez is another guy. I mean, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. I think there's some internal competition. Let's just put it that way, for the playoffs over who's going to start and who's going to be out of the bullpen.
1: I absolutely agree. If you look at Michael Lorenzen's last seven games, he has a 2.25 ERA and a 0.88 WHIP. I would I would tell you this that I have some concern. I don't I don't want to say I'm, I'm sounding the alarm. I don't want to say I'm I'm out or like hey, you know, this is a huge problem. I don't want to. I guess overemphasize the the opinion here, but Ranger Suarez does concern me a little bit. He, He was not good in July. And I know that he scattered, you know, 10 hits over six innings the other night, but it's a bad Miami team, left a lot of runners on base, credit to him for bearing down in key spots and escaping jams. But he was in the middle of the plate a lot and he's looked very hittable now. Really his last like six times out. And I don't know that it's a slam dunk foregone conclusion that Ranger Suarez is starting a game three for you. And Tywon Walker, kind of on a similar vein here, like he was not great in the month of July. He was fantastic in the month of June. He, He was not great in July. And then he comes out the other night and the velocity's down four miles an hour. And he pitches through it. And then he gets to the end of the start and the velocity kind of ticks back up. And he's been a little bit of a weird study all year trying to figure out where he's at from start to start physically and mentally and he's won 13 games for them. He's been a net positive for the Phillies. And I applaud that. But am I absolutely convinced that if he continues to be a little bit inconsistent here over the final two months that the Phillies would say, we trust you in, in a game four. I, I I don't, I don't know that to be true. So I do think that this very much is a competition. I think it is very much open. And I, I would almost, I I'm kind of leaning towards the idea that, they, they might want to use Ranger Suarez much the way they did last postseason, where there's two innings. We need to block off a three-inning run here, where it's, it's not long, man, like it's not mop-up, but we, we're going to get some length out of a, a guy that comes in and is sort of like that piggyback option. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that that is very much why the Phillies in part made this trade. Yes, you're getting a good starting pitcher, but yes, I think it gives them a ton of options of how they can attack October
0: i agree i agree bob and and the thing of it is when you look at suarez as a potential guy for that bullpen uh in those in that role that you were just describing the one thing that you really like about him even though he's not been great this past month is he's unflappable Mm
1: -hmm.
0: he just is unflappable and so you bring him into a spot where that where that is such a high leverage situation because it's the play just because it's the playoffs in general and then it's a high leverage in the game kind of situation i think suarez has the, the right mental yeah, all, approach. all
1: of that swell heartbeat shit that you hear them yeah. talk about all the time like that matters more in the playoffs like it if, does if that is one of your attributes like if that's something that you possess that stuff plays up more in october than it does in the middle of july
0: Agree, And and for
1: that reason, I could see him being a guy in that spot that they they go back to. They had success with it last year, and uh, I sort of think ultimately that's where this is going to go.
0: Yeah, I do too. I do do too. I know Sanchez has pitched great, and he may end up staying on the roster as, as a long guy in the bullpen. But I do think ultimately your four starters in the playoffs are going to be Wheeler, Nola, Lorenzen, and Walker.
1: Uh, any issue with the uh, decision to uh, DFA uh, Vasquez and and keep Covey? I mean, I you know no, you know?
0: I, I I mean I don't have a problem with it. Um, I'm not a big Dylan Covey fan, right? You know, he I, had, like
1: I tweeted out the other day. He's I know he's appeared really forget the ERA and the numbers because they're all yeah. low leverage spots, but I think my point is he's pitched once every six and a half days since he's been here. Like they don't use him. So yeah. if that's really what he's here to do is to just knock out three, four innings, or if your offense screws around and can't blow a game open, or your bullpen blows a lead four times, like then Dylan Covey might have to pitch in an important spot like he did on Wednesday night. But other than that, he's never going to see a game. I know Rob said that the other night that he might start pitching in more high-leverage situations. I'll believe that when I see it. But for what he's asked to do, he's actually done a fine job with it. Like let's yeah, not act like I, Andrew Vasquez. Like seriously, like let's not act like Andrew Vasquez is some high upside reliever. He hasn't enough. been great lately. He came in on Sunday. You want to talk about blowing a game late? That was non competitive. It was here you go. Here's a spinner middle of the plate ball game. You know, and yeah. everyone was so pissed at everything else offensively and and the fact that they were playing horrible defense that nobody even blinked that he came in and just threw slop up there and it got piped. So. Uh, he's going to be he's going to surface he's going to be in someone else's bullpen he did a nice job for the Phillies no knock against him but like let's not act yeah. like oh my god the Phillies just no and,
0: and and it also doesn't matter because I honestly don't think either one of them are part of your postseason no
1: no, no, no way no way right? to, so Kobe I mean he the other night did his job he he actually came in and and, saved and did what that- you were supposed to do he did he did save that game the other night if they make the play they need to make it's you know yeah. like i'm not i'm not sitting here telling you that that he should be part of a playoff roster or anything but he's yeah. not been as bad as the fan now base you, wants to i think
0: i think you, you keep Covey ahead of vasquez just because he, th- he the pitches that he has what the the stuff that he has in comparison vasquez throws 80% sliders that's it that's all he's got all
1: right uh, you want to go with a uh, one, last thing one last i do have one last thing a, here a root canal yeah. this morning that i have to go to oh. it's very exciting Bob-
0: you're getting old, man. Like oh, all these things that are happening to you. Thirty-seven, on sixty. News came out. I don't know if it was last night or um, might have been last. I guess it was last night. Tampa Bay Rays put Shane McClanahan uh, on a DL or IL, sorry, with forearm tightness. Okay. Mm-hmm. This this year alone, and this is this the, the Rays have a history of this. Andrew Kitteridge, Tommy John surgery. Shane Baz, Tommy John surgery. Jeffrey Springs, Tommy John surgery. Josh Fleming, elbow inflammation. Shane McClanahan, forearm tightness. Drew Rasmussen, elbow surgery for internal brace. Uh, Garrett Clevenger, um, I think his is a knee injury, but nevertheless, um, another pitcher with an injury. And they have a history of doing this to their pitchers. Do we have to take it? Should baseball be taking a look at this and say, Tampa what the hell's going on down there and stop because year after year after year they just trot out new pitchers doesn't matter and they all get hurt and then they end up going somewhere else and then they bring somebody else in and they all get hurt and go somewhere else like I'm what little- do you
1: what do you suspect is going on down there do you think that the uh development and like they're working on like throwing certain is it like too many
0: well who knows is it is it is it the, is it the kind of pitches that they're asking these guys to throw is it the the is it the way that they're developing their pitchers is it the way that they're using their pitchers between starts between you know they're on their off days like what their throwing programs are like what are they like they the rays always try to make it out to be that we're so far ahead of everybody else with our thought process and, and thinking the game and, and this is why we're going to be successful with a low low money uh low budget team um and to their credit, kudos, hey, guess what? You win a bunch of games, you make the playoffs every year or almost every year, um, and, and you do it without spending a lot of money, great. Good good for you, Moneyball Rays. But uh, and every pitcher that seems to come through yeah, there I has just major injuries.
1: I, I don't know, but I will tell you that around the game, like a lot of younger guys are learning to throw cutters. That's become a point of emphasis for, for yeah. teams, and there are some... You know repercussions to that, uh, so I don't know if that's what's going on here. I don't know if there's an emphasis on that particular pitch. Um, a lot of the like the, the people that dive into pitching analytics want you to throw cutters. Like even look at Andrew Painter, right? Like that was a storyline back in February. Oh, he's been playing around with a cutter. He's trying to implement it. And again, I'm not I'm not saying that there's any correlation between him learning and trying to toy with that pitch and what happened to him. I have no clue. But you know, could that be? Could that be a thing around the game and in Tampa? Yeah, I mean, it's possible.
0: Were they one of the original driveline teams?
1: <laughs> yes. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. Try, just and throwing it, that out there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that there, there could be something to that. There, there could be a, a tie-in there. And certainly when you're talking about the Rays of all teams, when you start to – you think about the Rays, you think about the analytics, the efficiency, you know, financial efficiency, the, you know, maybe there is a correlation there yeah all right well uh for anthony and Filippo, i'm bob wankel make sure that you're following us on twitter you can follow the show at up phillies you follow anthony on on twitter or x is that what it's called now x i refuse uh, at at aunt san philly and uh, you can follow me at bob underscore wankel make sure that you're checking us out wherever you get your shows and on youtube and we will talk to you on monday